subject is prayer today. See God working uh, this morning. I got up my C.S. Lewis devotional was on prayer. Of course, the children's sermon on prayer. Our message on prayer. I think God wants us to pray. Amen. Romans 15. And actually, we're going to look at the last few verses of the chapter. Uh, verses 30 through 33. I'm going to ask you to stand in our God's honor. As I read. I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Master, we approach you. Oh, how we need you, Lord. I pray that you might speak, Father. I guess we've already had better prayer as children gathered. May you just respond in response to the prayers of your people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Titled this message, The Priority of Prayer. We know that prayer is something all of us are called to do. But somehow we think that everybody else is better at it. Somehow we think, you know, I I know I'm to be a prayer warrior, but I'm not much of one. I think the true person who prays is very aware of the fact that it is hard work and it's a difficult job and that none of us are worthy of that. You know, I thought as I sat up here and that was so sweet with Lori gathering the children around. um, You just, we're all unworthy for that kind of stuff. But praise be to God, it's not about how worthy we are. It's about God pouring out his blessing to us. And that's why we're able to be so, so incredibly blessed. It's because God. Um, you know, somehow we think that prayers, you know, to answer our questions and to make everything secure and predictable so that we'll know God's plan. But the truth of the matter is, prayer is not to make it simply easier for us or to give us a greater sense of security. Prayer is to show us that God is with us no matter what we face. No matter what's ahead. It's to reveal to us His amazing, powerful grace um, presented to us. You know, I think I'm just going to move to the... Philip Yancey wrote a book on prayer, and I want to read to you from that book. Um, He writes, I interviewed ordinary people about prayer. Typically, the results went like this. Is prayer important to you? Oh, yes. How often do you pray? Every day. Approximately how long? Five minutes? Maybe seven. Do you sense the presence of God when you pray? 
Occasionally, not often. Many of those I talk to, Yancey writes, experience prayer more as a burden than a pleasure. They regarded it as important, even paramount, and felt guilty about their failure, blaming themselves. Does this sound familiar? You know, somehow we get the idea that there are those other saints that, boy, they can just touch the hem of the garment of Jesus. And when they pray, God stops everything to listen. But not me. And somehow we think, boy, if you go back into Scriptures and you look at those powerful people that walked with God, boy, when they prayed, God listened and they had a confidence and a boldness before God. And I wish I lived back then and prayed like they prayed. Well, I want us to turn back to Acts chapter 12 just to make a point here that the people then were not so different from you and me. Uh, Starting in Acts chapter 12, let's just kind of march down through section of scripture here and I want to show you a prayer meeting and some people who were faithfully praying and that they were not so different. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. So this was a dangerous time to follow God and the king, the ruler of that area, he he was looking to put church people in jail. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. Well, that causes everybody to, to take notice. When he saw this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So here's Peter, and he's arrested. There's 16 soldiers guarding him. In other words, we're going to make sure he stays here. We're going to make sure he stays in jail. He's not set free and that nothing happens to make us look stupid. So he's guarded by these 16 soldiers. And was Peter frantic? Was he worried? Was he upset? Well, let's see. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So there was a prayer meeting and people were crying out to God. And it was honest prayer because they loved Peter and they were concerned. They were worried about Peter. They knew what happened to James. They knew they were powerless. So they began to pray. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries, guards at the entrance. So Peter was cutting Z's. He wasn't staying awake, frantic. He was resting. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Not only was he not laying awake at night worrying about his fate the next day, an angel had to wake him up. Peter, get up. And and, and notice this as he he says, uh, Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Wow, that must have been amazing. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. Pete, it's time to get dressed. It's time to head out of here. He says, wrap your cloak around you. Follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of prison. But he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. 
He thought he was seeing a vision. In other words, he was still asleep. Man, he was in a deep sleep and he was trying to wake up. And he, is this really happening? You know, his brain's kind of in a fog as, as this unfolds. And, and it's as they passed the first and second guards, came to the iron gate, leading the city, opened for them by itself. And they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. So here's Peter with now without the accompaniment of the angel. He's, he's walking by himself. And it says, verse 11, he came to himself. Now he's fully awake. And he says, I know without a doubt the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. So you talk about a time for worship. <laughs> a time to just say, God, you're amazing. I mean, there was some obvious excitement from Pete. Um, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. This is a place where all that earnest prayer was occurring. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter. Is at the door. So can you see the scene? That the Greek actually speaks this road of being a, a young, a small girl. This servant. She hears Peter's voice. She recognizes this voice. She doesn't even open the door. That's Peter's voice. That's Peter. It's a, she runs back in an excitement. And, and it, you know, we've been praying that Peter would be set free. And he's at the door. And so she runs back. And I want you to see. Boy, this just reminds me of myself. Not just the people in that day. Um, it says, um, she ran, she exclaimed, Peter's at the door, and here's their response, verse 15. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting it was so, they said, it must be his angel. In other words, I know we're praying that Peter would be released, but he's in a jail. There's 16 soldiers guarding him, and you must be out of your mind. The, the very word for that is, is a word from which we get our word lunatic. In, in other words, Rhoda, you're a nut. He's in jail. He's not out of jail. He's not set free. God, this is so big, this situation I'm in. It, it's so, so big. I'm praying, but I don't really know if you're able to deliver me, to get me through this. Hmm. Notice it's almost humorous. Verse 16, Peter kept on knocking. Come on, guys, God set me free. Open this door. You know, I mean, I can just see. And when they saw him, it says they were astonished. In other words, you know, jaw hits the floor. Huh? But you've been praying fervently. You've been seeking God. And you've been waiting for God to bring an answer. Now he brings an answer. It's like, really? God? <laughs> Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet. Boy, you just, I know you don't understand, but will you listen? <laughs> and he described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. You know, the angel even had to, he had to whack me to wake me up. And to get me out of that place. And he set me free. He says, tell James and the brothers about this. And, and then he left for another place. <laughs> so here are these earnest praying believers. And the prayer gets answered and they're still like, oh, yeah, no, no way. You're a lunatic. 
prayer still. It's a way of crying out to God. It's, it's a way of getting God involved. Look, whatever we do, if it's not energized and expressed and working through God's power and His Spirit, it's really weak. And it doesn't have significance that changes lives and impacts lives and where God's bringing salvation and, and, and doing a mighty work. If prayer is not there, neither is the presence of God. And, and so anyway, this morning, I want us to look at our text here and, and um, as we march back down here to Romans 15. So let, let's go down through our text. and Starting at verse 30, he's, he begins... And he says, I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit. And and he actually mentions all of God through all of the Trinity. Notice Jesus Christ, love of the Spirit. And then he speaks of praying to God for me, praying to the Father. We we pray to the Heavenly Father. We pray um, in the power of the Spirit and the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, as He's actively at work. And, and uh, this is a military term where He says, I urge you. He's basically saying, I draft you to pray. This is more than a request. This is more than a suggestion. This is a command. This is a, a, a deep command. I urge you, it's the same word that's used back in Romans 12, 1 that many of us have learned in the past where he says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. It's, it's that same, that same word. I, I, I draft you to offer your bodies as sacrifices to God. And he says here, I, I, I urge you to be prayer warriors, to come to God in prayer. Uh, so let's look at four things here that stand out through these, uh, this text. Uh, number one, to seek an awareness of the need. He says, um, I urge you to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. In order to pray, we need an awareness. God, how, how do you want me to pray for that person? And quite honestly, um, that means we need to be connected to one another. We need to know what's going on in one another's lives. One way we do that here at Kingsway, it's time for me also to kind of use this as a promotional commercial, is through our prayer chain. Um, we have two ways to communicate an awareness of the need in prayer chains. One is through a prayer chain that comes as a text or an email through the computer or your phone, and you can sign up for that at our website, kingswaybaptistchurch.com. And that is a wonderful blessing. Um, it's amazing how many prayer requests are sent through that. And then for those, not everybody's in the computers. And so we also have a phone prayer chain. And I put a list out as you go through and you take a left and, and, and then another quick left on that bulletin board Put a sheet up for names for that uh, prayer chain. Also put a phone number there beside it. And we will add you to the phone prayer chain if um, you're not on that prayer chain. would like to be on that prayer chain. Because we need to make the requests aware to God's people. Because we need to be a people who believe in prayer. We, we need to be a people who are praying for one another. You know, we can say, oh, well, nobody prays. You pray. 
That, that's the call. I, I need to pray. That, um, notice in verse 22, Paul shares his heart. He says, this is why often I have been hindered from coming to you. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I've been longing for many years to visit you, Paul talks about, I've been hindered from coming to you. In other words, I would love to be with you, but I can't right now. And, and why is that? Well, let's, let's jump up just before that, uh, verse 22 there, and, and he shares, verse 20, he says, It's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. And, and so that was Paul's heartbeat. I want to go tell people about Jesus where they haven't had a chance to hear that wonderful news. And I want you to pray for me. That's why I'm not with you. I want to be with you, but pray for me. And in sharing those needs, and, and, and so, you know, the heartbeat of the people should be, man, I need to find somebody to keep me aware of what God's doing through Paul so I can know specifically how to pray for him, so I can know specifically the trials that he is facing, and, and so that I can lift him before the Father. Um, it, it's critical to, to have that information. Sometimes we get so... Uh, fixated on the obstacles and we try to work through it ourselves and try to find answers but so often guys um, I call it God-sized stuff I can't fix it and so I have to be actively waiting it doesn't mean I don't do anything it just means I need to talk to God about it <laughs> and then actively wait for him to show me the next step to take doesn't mean not doing anything it means I don't want to do the wrong thing I need to march when I hear the orders of our master of the Lord Jesus Christ and as God leads. Second, um, there must be a willingness to get involved. Look at verse 30 again. He says, I urge you by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. He says, in my struggle here, um, the picture here, it literally means in the Greek to agonize. Along with me. It's to identify with that person. It carries the idea, you know, the old saying of, um, you, you know, don't judge somebody till you've walked a mile in their moccasins. You know, it's the idea of empathy of, man, if I was facing that, what would it, what would it be like? How, how, would, how would it impact me? And, and to try to get a hold of that pain and, and a hold of that struggle. And, and, and so with a prayer request, the, the, the object is I want to agonize with that person to join them in that struggle and to go to the Heavenly Father with that struggle. And that is a powerful component of prayer. It's not just God, take care of that person. It's entering into the struggle with that person. And as you pray, you say, oh, God, if that were me, I think this is what I'd be facing. And, and God, just, just touch that person, Lord. The depths of that hurt, God, I just ask that you might bring healing. I, I just ask that you might give wisdom and, and guidance in and, and how to deal with this. Jesus had that kind of a heart when he prayed for us. Remember when he was struggling not with his humanity before the cross as he was in the garden and he was praying and finally he said, not my will but yours, Heavenly Father. And it said that as he prayed, it was like sweat drops of blood falling from him because of the agony 
because he agonized. Uh, Matthew 26, 37, 38. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and, and troubled. He agonized. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Um, what do you agonize over? Do you agonize over, God, I want to be within your plan, and I'm not sure what that is, God, and I need you to show me. Because, Lord, this is key, God. I can do this. I can take this road, or I can take that road, but I want to take your road. And, and you know, the agonize with that, and genuinely want to know what God is up to, and, and what He wants from you. And, and maybe it's just submitting to that. Maybe you, you have an idea of what God wants you to do, but you just don't want to do it. And there's this battle that that transpires. And it's like, God, give me strength to submit to you. Because you're the one that knows best, not me. Not me. It's that longing for God's will to be done. It's to agonize over that. It's to cry out to God. It's to strive in prayer even before we actually say words. Um, so often we're so quick to judge it. It says in um, John, I think it's John 5.30. No, it's 7.24, I think. Let me look that up. Yeah. Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. John 7.24. We're so good at that. You know, you just catch a glimpse. It's a mere appearance. And before you know it, you know exactly what's going on. And you make this quick judgment that's wrong. He says, stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. Agonize in prayer. Come to God in prayer instead of, I've solved the case. No, run to God. Agonize in prayer. And some of the things we agonize over, uh, just wrote a few things here. A stubborn heart. Somebody you, you, you love and you know, and they're just being stubborn. And they're headed toward a cliff and they're about to fall off. And you try to talk to them. They don't want to listen and you want to smack them. But that just makes them more stubborn. And, and so you just pray, God, just make them aware of you, God. Show them why this matters, God. Um, you know, or, or addictions, people who struggle with addictions. And, and a lot of times we hear addictions, we think of drug addiction or alcohol addiction. But there's all kinds of addictions. And an addiction is something that we do over and over again that hurts us. And... God doesn't want us to live that way. And to pray that God set that person free from an addiction, whatever it may be. Um, or those who are antagonistic to the heart of God. Those who are just fighting with all of their energy and strength to say no to God. To agonize over that. God, I might as well argue with that rock over there. So Lord, let me talk to you. God, open his heart, open her mind to you, God, that that they can see you. And, and you know, and obviously to pray for a prodigal, <laughs> those people that we love so dearly that just are running the opposite direction of God. Like Noah, you know, God's calling him and he's headed the other way till God took some drastic measures to get him back toward him headed the right way and, and just praying for those prodigals god it's not my job to save that person it's not my job to for that person to go your direction but god you love them and you want them to go that way and it's my job to pray 
that you, oh God, will grab a hold of their their hearts. All right, look at some specific requests here in verses 31 and 32. Uh, he says, pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea. Um, he says, hey, pray that I will be spared from those who want to hurt me and hurt the ministry and the cause of Christ. Pray that God will protect me so that he and his message will be advanced. Uh, you know, he's, he's praying for he's praying for that specific. And second thing he prays for here, he says, my service will be acceptable. One big part of his mission here is that he was collecting money for those um, Jews in Jerusalem who, because of all the persecution, they were broke. They had no money. They couldn't survive. So they were taking up a financial love offering. And he said, just pray that people's hearts will be open and they'll be generous and they'll give. Because those believers in, in Jerusalem, they love the Lord just like those believers who are who are outside of the the historic Jewish community. And, and so it was a ministry of the Gentiles to, to speak to the Jews. And, and that, that was his, his prayer as, as he called out that that service would be acceptable. So he had these specific requests. The need's real. Uh, turn to Acts 20. I'm going to look at Acts 20, 22, and 24 briefly here. He also talks about the fact of uh, sometimes... God's will is the hard road. You know, I always say when it comes to suffering, God does a mighty work in us, but there's no volunteers. Not me, God, not me. But he, he speaks here in Acts 20, 22. He says, and now compelled by the spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. And I, I want to uh, show you here. Uh, the next verse, it says, uh, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. He says, "I God showed me that the road ahead is going to be tough. You know, none of this, you know, God's going to shower me with a life of ease and comfort and all of that. He, that's what. And how does he do it? How, do, how does he how does he bear up under that burden? Look at verse twenty four. He says, "However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace." How does he do it? He keeps his eyes on the goal. He's running the race. And his goal is about people being with Jesus and about him one day being directly in his presence. That's how he's able to, that's how he's able to, to make it through all of that, that difficulty. Uh, we know that what waited him, you know, was two years of house arrest in Rome and then eventually execution. He called them to pray that through that journey until in God's presence, man, we got work to do and we need God leading and guiding us and giving us direction. And, and, and let me try to bring this um, one one last uh, part here that's important before we summarize this. Back to Romans 15. Uh, finally, prayer brings refreshment. L look at uh, verse 32. So that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. Prayer 
allows us to be refreshed. It allows us to get our thinking uh, away from what is wrong and uh, the right perspective upon God. That we are His children. That He loves us. And when we pray and we're in connection with Him, we're reminded of His promises. And we're reminded that, that He's at work and that He, that he loves us and, and we can be refreshed. And, you know, the devil's plan is, is not to come and to charge at us and say, Deny God! Forget God! But He does it little by little. It's, it's a gentle erosion. Oh, you don't really need to pray about this. You can handle it. You can work this out. You don't need to run to God about everything. And yet, what does it say? Um, Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace that passes or transcends all understanding will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. He wants to wear us out. You know, someone said fatigue makes cowards of us all. And he does it little by little until we're at a point where we no longer cry out to God. But we think that we can handle it or that we can get some help from a friend over here or an expert in this book. Look, we need God. And and the devil's plan is to wear us out little by little until we no longer cry out to him. And God calls us to run to him in prayer, and depend upon Him. Okay. um, He says, The God of peace be with you all. Prayer just reminds us that that God brings us peace and that He's with us. Let me close with this example. Uh, Brenda was a young woman invited to go rock climbing on a high cliff, and she was terrified. She saw the rock as it jutted up out of the earth, and she thought, what have I gotten myself into? Lord, help me. She put on her gear, held back her fear, took hold of the rope, and started climbing up the face of the rock. About halfway up the rock, um, the climbing rope snapped and came back and hit her in the eye and knocked out her contact lens. So here she is halfway up the climb, and she can't see clearly. Everything's fuzzy, and she panics, and she starts crying out to God, God, help! I can't see. What am I going to do? Lord, I'm desperate. Somehow she managed to, to get to the top, and a friend examined her eye and her clothing to try to find the lens. They were not able to find the, the lens, but she managed to get she managed to get back down. God helped her through that. And as she was coming down that rope, she thought of the Bible verse uh, that says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. And she thought, Lord, you can see all these mountains. You know every stone and leaf, and you know exactly where my contact lens is. Please help me. And so as they headed back from the bottom of the trail uh, toward the car, there were some uh, new climbers getting ready to head up the cliff. And one of them shouted out, Hey, anybody here lose a contact lens? Well, that'd be startling enough, but you know why the climbers saw it? There was an ant moving slowly across the rock carrying a contact lens. Brenda uh, wrote that her father was a, a cartoonist. <laughs> and when she told him about the ant and the prayer and the contact lens, he drew a picture of an ant lugging a contact lens 
up that rock saying, Lord, I don't know why you want me to carry this thing. I can't eat it. And it's awfully heavy. But if this is what you want me to do, I'll carry it for you. Um, we need to remember those words when the burden feels too heavy, too much for us to carry. We need to pray, God, I don't know why you want me to carry this load. I can see no good in it, and it's awfully heavy. But if you want me to carry it, I will. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you invite us to engage with you in a conversation. A conversation that's two-way. It's not only talking, and it's not only listening. But you engage us, Master. Because you want us to know life that is full and abundant. And you want to, Lord, you want us to carry out your plan. And as we gather this morning, Father, that's my prayer for each of us, each one here, and those listening that aren't physically with us as well. Father, it's always best to do it your way. And I pray this morning in a time we call response and, or invitation that we would hear your voice, whatever that call may be, Father, to follow you. It may be for the first time to say yes to Jesus, to say I'm tired of, of trying to do everything without God. Jesus loves us. He wants us to know his forgiveness and by humbling ourselves and simply confessing, I'm not big enough, strong enough, capable enough. I need a Savior. Please enter my heart and forgive me and give me a new start. That through that simple type of communication with you, the living God, you set us free and you give us a new day and a new hope and a new start. And maybe there's somebody here, Lord, that uttered that prayer it doesn't have to be exactly those words, but it's that idea. And now they're ready, Father, to start new. And I pray that that would be today. Your word says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. May there be new creations here today. Father, for the rest of us who have walked with you for a while, maybe we just need to be reminded of the priority of prayer. That we're not called to do this stuff alone. We don't even know what to do. We're not that smart. But we have a God who promises to give us wisdom. Not to know everything at once, but to know when to walk. What to do for that moment. So, Lord, keep us close to you. And I just pray that with an altar open that... We would obey, whether it's to come pray at this altar, to come with a decision, to follow a decision right where we are, or to share with your people what you're up to. But may you have your way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.